Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the last installment of James. We're in chapter number 5 and verse number 13, and this is the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today it's it, we're going to be diving into the central theme that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we're going to be looking at that perspective today from the entire section that we have to finish off this chapter, and that's going to be thrilling. You definitely don't want to miss it. So with that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking for his blessing to be upon us, and we can rejoice in Jesus. Father, we thank you. We ask your blessing. Lord, we thank you for the book of James. We thank you for this section of James, as he has been uh, spot on, Lord, in every point that he has made concerning the Christian life, concerning the people of God. He's instructed us, he's corrected us in a lot of places, and Lord, we've had to deal with a little bit of rebuke as well. But in all of that, we give you praise for this is how we grow. And we thank you, Lord, for, for sharing with us the, the heart that you gave to James and pray that we will share with each other the heart you have given to us so that we could be built up a family of God, mighty and powerful in the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. We pray that you will be with us now as we study this section to finish this book. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. All right, guys, let's read. We're going to be from James chapter 5, verse 13, down to verse 20. The scripture goes forward to say, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Boy, there's so much that's packed into these scriptures. I'll tell you, it's just difficult to know where to start and, and how much to give at one sitting. <laughs> but of course, our time frame will kind of uh, restrain us from doing too much in any one place. We don't have to worry about that. Is anyone among you suffering? This is a question that is pretty rhetorical in the point that during the time that James was writing this, and it, it, it everyone was suffering, unless you were a free Roman citizen, in which case you had the luxuries of, of all that Rome had to provide. But if you were a Jew, uh, as, as this is written to those who are scattered abroad, uh, if you were those of the church that 
that were being persecuted not only by Rome, but also by the Jews in Orthodox Judaism, then you had a fair amount of suffering. There's no question about it. So when James opens this section of teaching with, is anyone among you suffering? That you can guarantee was rhetorical. (laughs) The answer is, yes, of course we're suffering. And so what is James's remedy for the for the suffering and the challenge of suffering that they face? <clears throat> let him pray. Just that simple. Just let him pray. And and the answer to suffering in this life comes down to prayer because in those things that we suffer as we we give them unto the Lord and, and share with God that the challenges that we're going through and the hardships that we're dealing with. He comforts us in those moments. He, he comes alongside of us. He, he, as it says in, in Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 3, it says, Remember those who are in prison as being in prison with them, those who are in bondage as wearing those chains, as wearing those bonds. And that's, that's what prayer does for us in the, in the intensity of our sufferings or in the days of our trials is, is that that prayer unites us with God who, by the way, suffered as we suffer. Our Lord Jesus wore the chains. Our Lord Jesus suffered the beatings from the guards. He suffered the whips of Pilate. He suffered the, the cross of Rome. He, he suffered... Uh, so much more intently than any of us could ever imagine suffering, and, and he bore it all just so that he could deliver us. And so he said, if, anyone, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Thus he asked the question at the next, is anyone cheerful? Well, certainly someone's bound to be cheerful in the lot. I mean, come on, a whole building full of people that can't lift up their voice to praise the Lord for any blessing that he's done for you in this week? I mean, there's no question that a week is filled with hardships. There's no question that a week is filled with struggles. But somewhere, a wife kissed a husband and a husband a wife. Somewhere, a little baby said, I love you, mommy or daddy. Somewhere, Uh, There was a promotion, possibly, somewhere in that week. There had to be some points that would bring forth a little bit of cheer. A joke that is told, a meal that is tasty, an opportunity to to get out on the water for a spit of fishing, right? I mean, just somewhere there has to be a taste of cheer, somewhere. And thus, he says, let him sing praise. Now, this is the interesting part. Sometimes we may attend church at a position of suffering, and yet we're singing the praise. (laughs) And sometimes we may attend church cheerful, and yet we ignore the praise. You see, we, we've got to be attentive to our, our hearts, guys. We've got to be attentive to the things that are happening in any given moment, to consider the Lord in that moment and to consider our lives in connection with Him. 
And the times that we're suffering, whether it's a, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday, the times of suffering that we find ourselves in communion with God in prayer. And in those times where, where we find great joy, even if we're, we're sitting on the couch at a Thursday afternoon, those times we find ourselves at a great joy, that we break forth in praise unto our God because He is the answer. He is the reason for it all. He asked the question in verse number 14, and we are faced with this in our society today in a great multitude. He says, Is any among you sick? Now this concept of sick, uh, every single person can say yes to this. Every single one. Now, the reason I'm saying that every single person can say yes to this is because this sickness that is being referred to can either be physically or spiritually. That you would recognize the, the struggle of your soul. You would recognize the sin of your life and know that, that you need to overcome this but are completely overwhelmed by it. Call the elders of the church. Have them come and pray over you. Have them come and, and, and be that, that strength that you don't have in that moment that you need it. Call the elders of the church. Now, who are the elders of the church? Does that mean call all the old people? Not at all. The elders of the church are those spiritual leaders that you have within that congregation that are there to be of assistance to you, that are there praying for you already. All you got to do is reach out so that they know more intimately how to pray for you. But the, the elders of the church are those who are wise to the scriptures, those who are trained up in the faith, those that, that are prepared to, to be of service to you because the Lord has made them ready to serve you. These be the elders of the church, and they very well may be the seniors of the congregation, but there, are, there can be some folks within, within that congregation that may be young but full of faith, and those are the ones to whom we call for help. And so you're struggling with an issue that, that has existed in your life for some time that continually derails you from walking with God. Call the elders of the church. You're, you're dealing with cancer. Praise God, call the elders of the church. You're fighting with chronic illnesses like high blood pressure or, or diabetes or you've, you've suffered heart attack, you've gone through stroke. You, you Call the elders of the church. It's just something that is foreign to our society today because when we when we have these issues that we that we battle, we immediately, which by the way, I would suggest you immediately do, we we call not the elders of the church, but we, we call the medical community. And the medical community is more than happy to replace the elders of the church by bringing you in, uh, getting you fixed up, and then pumping you full of medications for the rest of your life so that they can keep you on the tab to be able to make all that money. <laughs> now, that sounds kind of rough, I know. I'm, I'm not painting a very pleasant light when I firmly believe in, in God's blessing of those in our medical community whom He has given wisdom to know how to uh, help 
uh, conditions of our lives that that come upon us and and praise God for hospitals and and surgeons and staff and RNs and the whole nine yards. But I think that we focus our faith a little bit too much on medical interventions and drugs than we do the, the power of Almighty God. For I've been to several different countries, and many of you watching this right now, you've been to different countries as we've been on missions, and we've seen how that people have had to live without all of these medical interventions. And and praise God that they have some amazing miracles that they could testify to that God has done for them because their heart is solely gripped by God. I mean, they, that's all they have to rely upon outside of some shaman or, or medicine man that, that might or might not have any idea what's going on medically. So you might be getting uh, potions or, or, or elixirs that, that are doing you no good, but God... And in a few of the countries I've been to, I've been able to meet people who have had such amazing and miraculous, and there's no question about the miracle of it, such miraculous uh, deliverances from illness or deliverances from from death even that, that you just can't question the fact that God's still at work. But in our Western ideals, in our Western society, we tend to water God down and we water his authority and power down because in God's grace, he has given many the, the understanding of how to, to do a great deal of work on the body. And so we rely more on those things which we can see, those things which we can experience, than we do rely upon God. And so we turn to those things. We turn to those innovations and those those uh those things that man would make because we can meet the man that made them we can read about them. we can we well we can read about god that's how we know how we've come to faith but we we can literally uh discover the man and 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 so we we tend to apply our heart to man instead of god and so he he's telling us you know if if there's anyone among us who's sick and what i'm saying is definitely not don't go to the doctor. No, you're sick and you feel you have a need to go to the hospital. Praise God, go to the hospital. But remember God, for the hospital can only patch things. The hospital is only going to be able to temporarily fix things. But God, God can fix the one thing that we need fixed more than anything else in this life. For we know for a certainty that this life is going to come to an end as we know it. We know for certain that death is coming for us. As soon as we're born, we're born into a world where we're going to die. We know that this is the case. Now, we may ignore it at points of our life. We may, we may lightly consider it. We might not want to consider it at all. We, we may want to just go through life completely ignorant, willingly so, of, of what may come to pass. We might continue with the ideal, I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time. But we, we still can't hide from the fact that this life is going to come to a definitive 
end at some point in our journey. We know this. And there's no hospital on the face of this planet. There's no medical invention or intervention on the face of this planet. There's no potion or anything else that is going to be able to overcome death when it comes for us for the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 27 that it is appointed unto man once to die and then after this the judgment so we we know we cannot escape this so even when we use these medical in, inventions or interventions, even when we uh, flee to the hospital for a palpitations of the chest and a, and a burning pain in, in the left arm or, or, or a slurred speech and, and an inability to be able to walk on one side, we, 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 we go to the hospital because we've been carried by an ambulance. We passed out, our blood sugar dropped, or it spiked too high. We, we, we end up there and they get us stable. They, they do the surgeries necessary if that's the case for the heart attack or the stroke. They, they do the things that are needed to balance out our sugar levels. If we discover for the first time we're diabetic and hadn't thought about it or paid attention to our body, they, they, they give us the news that, that we have a tumor that has risen up and that we're facing cancer. They, that whatever it is that they get us stable, it is in these moments that we turn to the Lord. It is in these moments that our trust and faith must be in God. It's in these moments that we've got to, we've got to flee to the Lord and, and call for the elders of the church and, and seek their prayers. Now, I'll tell you this much. Months back, we had a blessed prayer service and, and when I was down in, in Morgan's Baptist Church there in Virginia. We had a blessed prayer service for a young lady named Joanne. And praise God, it, she had reached out through her parents to the church to say, I, I've I've been told that I'm going to that I'm I'm facing cancer and I'm getting ready to go in for another screening so that they can tell me exactly what I'm going to have to face and they they already know that it's there they just I'm going to go find out how bad it is but I I would like the Lord to intervene on my behalf can you can you pray for me and hallelujah we we had that young lady come up front and we, we gather together the elders of the church and, and just as the scripture says for us to do right here in verse number 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And praise God, we broke out some frankincense. We, we anointed this young lady with oil, lifting up our prayers unto the Lord for his intervention in this moment of her life. As, as being a young lady, and, and wouldn't you know, she goes to the doctor by that Tuesday, and I get the report by, by the next Sunday that the doctors couldn't even find what they knew was there, what they had scanned, what they, what they saw, what they had discovered with, their, with their, all of their medical interventions and all of their stuff. It wasn't there anymore. It's gone. Let us lift our hands in praise unto God, who is able to deliver in ways that man just can't compare. And 
brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, there's so many people that we've had the privilege of being able to 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 pray for and to pray over that that we we have seen throughout these years these, these great deliverances that God has brought into these folks' lives where where the doctors were just baffled and it made no sense how is this possible and every single time it was given unto the person a testimony to be able to say well I went forward uh, before the church that I belong to, and and I obeyed James chapter 5 and verse 14 as I was diagnosed as being sick, and I sought the elders of the, of the church to pray over me and anoint me with the oil of, of the Lord, and, and, and praise God, here I stand, and here you stand, not understanding what has happened to me. Let me tell you, it is the Lord who has worked this miracle in my life. Oh, brothers and sisters, you see, I'm not saying avoid medical community. I'm saying go to the medical community. Go to the Lord. Let the Lord do His perfect work in you and then show them. Show them. Tell them of Jesus that they may hear the gospel and be saved. You see, you may be the only person who could who could go into that doctor's life in that moment and be able to testify of the miracles of God and share with them Jesus. So by all means, uh, go to the doctors, get your diagnoses, come to the house of faith, seek the elders of the Lord, that they may pray over you, that God, according to his will, we understand this point too, which I'll make in a minute, as he chooses, he heals you, that, that you go to that dock and, and, and praise God. They say, uh, how did this happen? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you about Jesus, how he delivered me. Guys, that's exactly what our life is supposed to be anyways, is a testimony of the, the deliverance of God through Christ Jesus. Our whole life is supposed to be a testimony to this world about how Jesus can save them. So is any among you that are watching this right now, are you sick? Are you in desperate need? Now let me say this on the side, as I was saying earlier about, about God's will. There have been some that we've prayed over that God has not delivered in the manner that we prayed for. It doesn't mean that God didn't deliver them. It means that God didn't deliver them in the way that we prayed for. Now, what is the greatest deliverance that any child of God could have than to be delivered from this present evil world and to be carried into the throne room of God? There's no greater place for us as children of God to be than right there in our Father's house. Okay, so sometimes God chooses not to deliver this flesh from its current illness or from its current state in so much that he is able to deliver us more perfectly unto his throne room, which we call heaven. And once we are delivered from this corruption and incorruption, like 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58 says, once we're delivered from this corruption, to incorruption, once we're taken from this mortality to immortality, then it is written that death is swallowed up. 
all right? And victory. That's exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55 was saying is that we're delivered up. So we get this victory over death, right? Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory, right? So we give praise to the Lord at, at the deliverance of the life of a believer unto his, his or her eternal life. I think about the blessing of, of just the, the little time that I had. As soon as I moved into Martin, I was, I was informed uh, the following Monday that, that a dear brother in Christ lived just down the road from the church and that he, that he was, was suffering a great deal in a shut-in and wasn't able to come to church. So I took off out the door, walked up the street two blocks, and, and, and there is my dear brother. And indeed, uh, just being able to share with his life in, in a short period of time, but the, the, the desire of his heart for God and the blessing of his faith and and though he battled with cancer, and though he battled with, with COVID even, and, and he's battled through so many different things, yet the, the greatest deliverance that he has received is his eternal promise. He now is, is at rest of the throne room of God, worshiping the Lord that, that he is face to face with. And he, he sees the angels shouting, holy, 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 like we shall see tomorrow on, on uh, Revelation Friday in, in chapter 4, and he sees the emerald rainbow behind the, the, the head of the throne of God. He sees the cherubs carrying the, the throne of God and moving. He sees the 24 thrones with the elders casting their crowns. He, he, he sees it all. He sees it all. And there's no greater deliverance from his cancer than that. There's no greater deliverance from, from COVID than that. There, there's no better a blessing from God than to be carried by the angels into his throne room. And see, we just, just firmly believe that but reject it all at the same time because we're so afraid of dying that we're never really living. And so that we would be uh, not afraid of dying because dying is only a transition from mortality to immortality and corruption to incorruption. Perhaps if we were not so afraid of the transition that we face as believers, then we could actually live. Like we could, we could really actually begin our eternal life right now. And be rejoicing in the Lord. And so that when we were diagnosed with something, we, because this body's going to fail, it's going to fall apart. As we get older, we get frailer. It's going, to, it's going to have a definitive stopping point and how it's going to stop. We don't know. Will we have cancer? Will it just be old age? Will our heart just give out? Will we have a heart attack? Will we, will we suffer stroke? Will we suffer... Uh, whatever it is, will we will we get pneumonia? Will we will we get a cold? Will we get a will we get a virus of some sort? We, will we get hit by a semi or a bus? We don't know. Will will a light fixture fall off the ceiling and hit us? Will will we trip and fall and hit our head on a concrete floor? We, guys, we don't know. <laughs> okay. In my case, will a calf kick me and, and send me to the afterlife? That was that was pretty close to happening a few times yesterday. <laughs> we don't know. But the end result is we do know that we're going to leave this earth. We do know 
that our mortality is going to come to a definitive end. We know that our time is short. But we don't have to waste it being afraid. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, as 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 tells us. We don't have to spend this time being afraid. If we come under illness, let's obey God. Call the elders of the church. Will we be delivered physically? Very possibly may. But at the end of our last breath, will we be delivered perfectly? Yes. You see, there's a difference between the deliverance that keeps us in this life of imperfection from the deliverance of the life that brings us to perfection. Now, I, I don't mind this earthly life. In fact, I really enjoy it. But I know what the promises are that I have in my eternal state. And so, if it be the Lord's will that he calls us home, we ought not to be children kicking and screaming at, at going home. We ought to be a people prepared to go home because it gives, it, it gives us that blessing of eternity. Whereas right now, we're finite and don't have that blessing. And so, the scripture brings us down that we, we pray and anoint in the name of the Lord. And people say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Verse 14, right? They said, wait a minute, y'all, you're Baptist. We don't do all that Pentecostal stuff. <laughs> well, this one does. Praise God, this one does. And it isn't Pentecostal stuff. Unless, of course, you want to consider that the church was empowered by the Lord to go forth and multiply upon the face of the earth and bring people to a knowledge of salvation and lead them to, to the saving grace of God that happened at Pentecost. Okay, so maybe, all right, if you want to go that direction, then okay, I'm Baptocostal because this is scriptural. This is something that, that all churches ought to be doing, all churches ought to be prepared with, with the anointing oil that would be a blessing in the name of the Lord as it is written right here for believers to read. Now, if we say, well, that's that's for something else, that's, um, uh, uh, um, um, that's other people's doctrine, then you, listen very carefully, are a moron. <laughs> because that is biblical. That is biblical truth. And that is for anyone and everyone who has a church to go to. And if you don't attend Martin Baptist Church right now, as, as I've recently come on to be a pastor up here at Martin Baptist Church, you don't attend Martin. Let's say you attend New Life or you attend Cornerstone or you attend uh, the Assembly of God Church there in Harvey or, or you attend Morgan's Church where I left in Virginia that's doing really well and praise God, Mike Walker. I'm telling you, buddy, been praying over you and I know what God's going to do in you. I just know it. Just saying. <laughs> and if you're not watching this, but but uh, Carol, you just go smack Mike on the back and tell him uh, Jason's watching on you. <laughs> I'm just saying. But the, the point of this is, is that, that this is something that is reality regardless of who you are. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist. I don't care if you're Pentecostal, Lutheran. I don't care. I don't care. Presbyterian. It doesn't matter. 
This is biblical, and every church and every elder and every pastor ought to be prepared for the congregation of those that, that are among us that, that find themselves in illness to be able to come to us and seek from us the blessing of a prayer in the name of the Lord with oil. We ought to be. To say that this is not true or that this is only for a period of time or this was uh, for other denominations but maybe not ours is the utter, it's the epitome of foolishness. For God's word is for every one of God's people, period. He said the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Now, in this point, the Lord will raise him up. In this point, Perhaps we're dealing with a sin-sick soul. Perhaps we're dealing with, with a person who is, who is entrenched in sin and they know that they, they just cannot stop sinning. They, they just, it's, it's an addiction to them. They're, they're so overtaken by it. And they come and they, and they seek the, the church for help. They say, Pastor, please pray for me. I've got this addiction. I've got this this challenge in my life, and, and as much as I hate it and I don't want to do it, I constantly find myself gripped by it, and I, I need help. Perhaps that's the sickness that we're dealing with, that the elders can come together and lift this person up, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, that a mighty deliverance can happen in their lives. And, and that prayer that is lifted up by those elders with this heart that is broken and in a desire to be delivered can, can actually happen, and they can actually be delivered. They could be redeemed. They could, they could be saved. From that sickness, from God raising them up. Say, well, Pastor, that sounds weird. Well, you never know. You never know. But we never, we should never consider anything that the Lord says as something not to be done. As the Lord has spoken, so it shall be done. And we ought to be a people prepared to give this kind of love, the love of God, to those that are battling with addiction, to those who are suffering with illnesses of the heart, battling with anxiety, battling with depression, battling with, with challenges that, that are not... Uh, that are not sicknesses of the flesh, but, but sicknesses of the heart. And the prayer of faith. This is the other place that we often find a, a breakdown, is a prayer of faith. People praying but not really believing. Now, come on, you know you're guilty of that too. Now, I'm guilty of it as well. People praying and not believing. People asking things of God, but carrying so much doubt about the things that they're asking so as to thwart the ability for God to do anything in your life because of the multitude of doubt that you've already carried before him. <laughs> and I'm guilty. There's no question. But none of you watching this can say that you're perfectly innocent of the matter. We're all guilty on this one. We've all brought things before the Lord that we'd already decided in our heart weren't going to be possible, weren't going to be that the Lord wasn't going to be able. We asked them anyways because we've been taught to pray for those things which we're struggling with, but we're so certain that it's impossible that anything could change that even though we pray, our heart is not in that prayer. Our faith is not backing those words because we've already shattered our faith by knowing it would be impossible anyway. So we just don't. But it's the prayer of faith that saves. 
It's the prayer of faith that delivers. So are you saved? It's just a thought. Comes down in the short time I've got now. (laughs) We've had so much fun at the top of this. We really haven't gotten all the way down to the bottom of this. But this is the whole point of, of verses 13 to 20. This is the whole point. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Point, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, the, the exciting point is the, the, the title righteous person. Who among us is righteous? I mean, truly righteous. Finding no fault, no blemish, no imperfections, sinless as Jesus. Answer, none of us. (laughs) None of us. The reality is, is apart from Jesus, we're wretched people. But that's the blessing of the children of God, is that in Jesus, the righteousness that we have obtained is not our own. The righteousness that we that we can claim is a righteousness that is imparted unto us through the Holy Spirit by Jesus. And so that our prayers in the Holy Spirit being lifted up to God are prayers acknowledged as righteous because of the blood of Christ applied to us. And so as God hears our prayers and sees his son's blood applied to our account, he equates our prayers as those of his sons and we have a righteous standing before God. Isn't that worth everything today? that our prayers being lifted up before the Lord in faith. Now, there's plenty of conversation we've had with God where it didn't go any further than the ceiling. There's plenty of, of, of conversations that we've held with God that weren't conversations that were by faith, but were conversations that were by fear or by doubt or by anxiety or all these other things that separate between us and God, insomuch that Nothing happened that we were asking for because there's not much that God could do until you applied your faith to what you were asking. And the application of our faith, then we find a moving of God on our behalf because it is the righteousness of Jesus through our faith prayed unto God that he sees and says, Ah, my child has need, and he moves. As it says here, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, the the other challenge that we find, confession of sins one to another. Of course, in King James language, we find it says a confession of our faults, our faults. And then this other place, it tells us about our sins. And so we find that, that do we confess sins or faults? Uh, the answer is yes, confess them all. <laughs> 
praise God, confess them all one to another uh, due to the fact that maybe I have answers to be able to help you overcome the challenges that you're going through in your life that other people couldn't answer. Maybe you have answers for my challenges that I'm going through. Perhaps God brought us together as a body called the church for the purpose of being able to help one another in the struggles and trials and issues of our lives so that we could pray for one another and we could give advice to one another and we could seek the Lord together and we could we could find and, and connect with, with the righteousness of Jesus together so that we could be a unified body serving God through his mercy and grace together. Wouldn't that be awesome? And the point that James makes as I finish here is Elijah. Now, y'all know about Elijah was a mighty man of God. There's no question. The, the pinnacle of Elijah's work is found in, in the 400 plus prophets of Baal and in that interaction of if God is, if my God is the Lord, then all of you will worship my God. And if their God is the Lord, then everybody worship their God. And of course, you know what happens in the slaughter of the prophets of Baal because the Lord God is the only God. And, and so we find that Elijah was a mighty man of God who also cowered in a cave hiding and telling God to kill him because he's the only one that's left and God having to straighten Elijah out by actually killing him. But beforehand training Elijah, Elisha up and then delivering him as he made promise he would do. So we find that this is a guy that prayed and it quit raining for three and a half years. Now, we haven't had any rain here in in the Dakotas this year much at all, and we didn't get a, a pretty good snow year, as I was told. So we are definitely in, in a difficulty of drought. And, and when I studied this, I said, um, guys, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> How many of us could shoot back and say, wait a minute, it wasn't me. I wasn't praying for this. Uh, we were praying for rain. Praise God. We were praying fervently and still do every day that God would bring forth uh, the clouds, that he would bring forth the rain that we watch on radar coming above us all through Canada and beneath us all through uh, South Dakota and all over there, but, but just completely misses our little square of North Dakota. We pray for rain. The Lord has his plan in what he's doing and the reason why we don't have it. It's always of the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. So we shall see in the miracles that God will provide. But nevertheless, this old Elijah, he said, he prayed again, the rain came, the earth bore its fruit. He said, my brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love brings the wandering one back. But the, wandering, the, the ones who bring the wandering ones back have to be kind of tough at the onset, don't they? To bring a child back from the error of his ways, sometimes you got to spank them. Sometimes you gotta you gotta discipline them. Sometimes you gotta bark at them. Sometimes uh, drastic measures are necessary. So we have to be a people prepared to do what is necessary to help the wandering ones return to Jesus. So buckle up, and that is the book of James. Pretty awesome, right? 
Father, we give you thanks and praise for your blessing this day. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. We ask you, Lord, to, to touch our lives and hearts by this truth at the final finale of this, this chapter. And we just pray that you will just engage our hearts, Lord. Instruct us that we may know what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God for our lives. Lord, bless us. The rest of this day that we may live it well in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you guys, keep you guys, cause his face to shine upon you guys, and I'll catch you for Revelation Friday, entering chapter 4, and the throne room of God. Take care, guys.